You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Dr. John Brug. He's general editor and Old Testament editor for The Wartburg Project. Dr. Brug, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour today. Glad to be here. It has been over a year, almost two years, I think, since we last talked about the EHV, the Evangelical Heritage Version, uh, which at that time in 2019, I think, had had uh, just been published in its entirety, the Old Testament and New Testament. And uh, we'd love to recap uh, for our listeners the development of the Evangelical Heritage Version, going back all the way to the days of idea and then bringing us up to publishing and now even new editions as well. Where did the idea for the the EHV begin? Well, I think, honestly, if the uh, NIV 84 hadn't been withdrawn from the market, we maybe wouldn't have thought about doing this, but we thought there was a need for a balanced translation in all respects between old and new and uh, close to the worship life of the church uh, with an emphasis on prophecy, maybe tackling some of the gender issues that have been much discussed. And so the Synod wasn't really interested in doing it, so we formed an organization of pastors and professors. At first, we were all volunteers, no money or income or anything. Now, of course, we will sell the Bibles that we have. So we have a print Bible out. The Lutheran Print Study Bible will be coming out in the fall. But what we're excited about now is we thought for people around the world, it's a little, it's hard for all of us to read the cubits and everything, although we figure that one out. But people around the world where the metric system is dominant, we thought it would be nice to make a metric version for them where the metric measurements are right in the text. We thought this would be very useful to mission agencies everywhere. We've talked to some different world Bible translations. And right now we have it out on the digital Bible library, the the, uh, metric version, where mission agencies can download it. And we also have a Lutheran Study Bible, which is a Microsoft app. And it's also in the metric version in Logos or Faith Life as also a Lutheran study Bible. So our translation is kind of tries to say just what the text says. But the study Bible, we truth in advertising, we have in our ads that the doctrinal notes, which are, of course, not the main predominant part. There's a lot of history, archaeology in that, that the doctrinal notes are Lutheran. Mm-hmm. So what a what a great resource uh, to have this available for people, and we'll get to the the metric edition a little bit more in a few minutes. Uh, what are the different types of Bibles available, translations available now for people to use, and where does the the EHV kind of fit into that wide spectrum? Okay, people use a lot of different terms, but we can say literal at one end and more dynamic equivalent at the other, or more word for word at one end and more thought for thought at the other. Mm -hmm. We aim to be kind of in the middle with a slight bias toward staying a little bit closer to the Hebrew and Greek text. The NIV rates itself as right in the middle, where we kind of think we're in the middle, but we're posted in a place like uh, Bible Gateway, we're listed just a little bit more toward the 
literal. Way at the literal end would be the NASB. The ESV would also be more toward the literal end, word for word end. And things like the message and stuff like that, they'd be way at the somewhat more free end or whatever term you think is appropriate there. Some, I think, refer to that as paraphrase even uh, yeah. in, in some of those uh, those categories. Um, what's significant about this approach that you've taken with the, the EHV um, to Bible translation? Well, we think we don't want to be tied to any one theory of translation. There are some places where it's very, very important to be quite literal, mm -hmm. be clear. But other times, I don't know if you want any graphic examples, but sometimes a literal translation will be wrong because the language has changed enough. And so in the Song of Songs, I don't know if I can say this on the air, you can bleep me if I can't. The uh, young lady says to the man, my bowels move for you. <laughs> I guess that doesn't quite do it as far as building the romantic mood that we have to say there's something quite far from the literal text and say, my heart is stirred for you or my heart, heart is filled with emotions when I think about you. So we try to keep the balance and take each case on its own merits. Hmm. What does it mean to approach this, this uh, translation as Lutherans? You mentioned earlier that this is, a, 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 in a sense, a, a Lutheran translation. Uh, tell us about the, the scholars who worked on this translation. Uh, you mentioned Synod earlier for our listeners who might be thinking, um, you know, many of our listeners are Lutheran Church Missouri Synod folks. Uh, this is, these are our neighbors, uh, mostly in the Wisconsin Synod and uh, ELS as well, right? Yes, and we use parish pastors quite heavily because uh, my background is very academic, but we want to be close to the worship life of the church. And so we involved parish pastors very heavily in analyzing the translation, saying what they liked and what they didn't. All the way through, we involved lay people, men and women of all ages, because we want to be kind of a grassroots translation in a certain sense. Uh, we want to be academic and be thorough, but we want to be closer to the parish and the church more than we are to academia. So how might Lutherans approach Bible translation? That might be different than some of the other translations that we talked about earlier when we were talking about that spectrum. Well, I think we would say uh, we chose to be in the middle as far as the spectrum. We would say our translation is made by Lutherans, but it's not Lutheran or for Lutheran. And by that, we mean uh, we don't add Lutheran interpretation. We're not going to say Jesus said this is my true body. Our goal as a text is to say no more or no less, to try to keep the emotions of the original and to let the text be the rule. When we come to footnotes, when we come to study Bibles, there we can be distinctly Lutheran when we talk about the sacraments, the millennium, and so on. So we think our translation is denomination, denominational neutral as far as the translation goes. But our notes and our viewpoints and our frequently asked questions, our library, those are distinctly confessional Lutheran. Mm -hmm. What is that process that goes into looking at the original texts uh, as a group of pastor translators, looking at that original text and then bringing it into our English language? Uh, you mentioned the, the cultural things and the things that the people are, are really talking about today when it comes to reading and, and interpreting scripture. What does that process look like? 
Yeah, well, what we did is we had a lead translator for each section, each book. Then there were four technical evaluators that considered the Hebrew and Greek heavily. Then we had about 10 other readers, and it was also being used as a lectionary, both in Missouri Synod and Wisconsin Synod congregations, who tested the readability and so on. So it's a rather long process. We don't ignore previous scholarship. We're not taking a piece of paper and a pencil and the Hebrew text and translating entirely from scratch. We value what Luther and others did. I could give you one example. Uh, the Concordia Commentary for the Old Testament books was just an invaluable, invaluable source, especially in books like um, Ezekiel, some of the more difficult books. And so we use that quite heavily. So we, you try to use all the resources. We don't depend on any translation. We didn't follow the NIV. We don't follow any other translation. But we do value the scholarship of the past. We want to keep words like angels and justify and sanctify, not exclusively that we can't use any other term. So it's always a balance to find being original and, in a sense, creative, but staying close to the worship life of the church. If there's terms used in hymnals, we should be able to use them in our translation. We don't want our translation to get too far away from the liturgy if we can avoid that. I think you mentioned that uh, parish pastors played a key role in in this translation as well in the development of this translation. What does this speak to the value of parish pastors learning biblical languages like Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic? Well, I think this is a, uh, maybe a unusual example of it. It comes down home every week in their sermons, in their Bible classes, but I we, th we couldn't have had pastors involved if our worker training systems did not have the emphasis on biblical languages, which they do. You ask, well, what's Lutheran about it? That's very Lutheran, <laughs> that there's the emphasis on the biblical languages. Hmm. I, I know that uh, we're going to share just a little bit about the uh, the metric edition. Share with us... Uh, we talked about from from idea to publishing and the metric edition being one of those um, new things that, that have come out. Have there been other things that have developed since uh, publishing both the Old and New Testament? Uh, what was that, almost two years ago? Yeah, well, there's a print Bible printed by Northwestern. A study Bible version of that will be out in the fall. And then our other Bibles, our Lutheran study Bibles are on Microsoft Store, both of them, the metric and the American, and for those who use Macs and Apples, Apple operating system, Android phones, uh, iPhones, the Faith Life Logos version works well on those. And so there's a thing called the Digital Bible Library. It's for mission agencies. It's by the United Bible Society. So our metric text we have put on the digital Bible library. So mission agencies, Bible translation societies, anywhere in the world can download our text there in a format that is ready for publishing. We ourselves are not planning to print copies of the metric Bible and ship them to India. But we hope that there will be people in India or places like Kenya, Nigeria, where English is quite big in pastoral training, we hope there'll be some people there that will be want to print this in their 
own country or in their own region, and we're very open to working out permission for them. Very good. We're talking with Dr. John Brook. He's general editor and Old Testament editor for the Wartburg Project, and that includes the, the Evangelical Heritage version of the Bible, which we're talking about today. And we have more developments to share with you when we come back. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Dr. John Brook, he's general editor and Old Testament editor for the Wartburg Project and the uh, the big project of the Evangelical Heritage version of the Bible, which uh, we had the chance to talk about uh, when it was uh, published about two years ago, and uh, some new developments in that as well. Dr. Brook, share with us uh, since you've published the Old and New Testaments as as uh, about two years ago, some recent updates or developments as well, and one of those being the metric edition. Uh, why is it helpful to have a metric edition? Well, for the majority of your listeners, it probably isn't. But because they love missions and world missions, it's something very important for people in other countries. So uh, people anywhere can learn to read cubits and that doesn't go too hard, but you start getting into all the exotic measurements. It kind of is disruptive to your reading. And we're not a for-profit company. We don't have stockholders. So even though it's not a good deal for us financially to make a metric version. We thought we should provide this for the many churches around the world. In some places, the um, African or Asian pastors, wherever region they're in, know the Hebrew and the Greek, the translators. But it's also sometimes helpful for them to have a contemporary English translation to work along with and to have a text where the metric measurements are right in the text we thought that would be a good tool for world mission. So we're doing this more as a service, although we certainly hope, of course, that people will buy Bibles in that mode too. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of uh, a passage where this would make a difference in reading the translation to make it a little bit easier to understand? Well, I'll give you one that, I'll give you a quick version that would be more d- dramatic. A hard thing is the height of Goliath. Mm-hmm. It's, it mentions how many cubits and spans the width of hand it is. And if you use an 18-inch cubit, Goliath would be nine foot nine, which if the Bible says it, we would believe it. But a cubit isn't a standard 18 inches. It's the tip of your finger to your elbow. So David's cubit, if he was about 5'2", probably at that time, his cubit would only be about 16 inches, not 18 inches. Could even be a little less than 16 inches. So we will maybe start out with the default default translation of 18-inch cubits, but we'll have to put a note in that says, actually, probably we can subtract 
a foot and a half, and maybe maybe Goliath was eight five, which is what contemporary biggest giants are. So I think it's just easier to uh, people have it in their own culture what they're used to, whether there's kilos, kilograms, kilometers, whatever. We just thought it would be better for people to read the Bible without interruption and to have flow and the problems we'll try to cover in the notes. Mm-hmm. Well, even as you're explaining that, it makes a lot more sense. I'm not a numbers person or a math person, but explaining it in, in these measurements that I understand does make it a lot easier to kind of get that quick image of what the text is actually talking about. So I can I can very much understand how this would make a difference for people who are reading the scriptures or maybe who don't who are reading it for the first time and, and to get that picture of, of what we're explaining, what we're reading, uh, that, that does make it a lot easier. What is What work goes into translating from uh, an, Amer- an American Lutheran uh, writing of this to a metric version? How much work actually goes into that? Well, all we did is we just translated the numbers. In other words, we use tables, but what we really, really stress, none of these measurements are anything more than approximations. There was no standard measurement in those days. Your span was how wide your hand was. Your cubit was from your finger to your elbow. Uh, an English foot isn't actually 12 feet long on most people. <clears throat> it's less. <laughs> so people need to realize that all these measurements are approximations. We're putting you in the ballpark so you can relate to it. And that the uncertainty of it, the flexibility of it, that was true even in America relatively recently. Horses used to be measured by hands, how Mm -hmm. tall they were. Well, one farmer wasn't cheating if he said this number of hands and another said this number of hands. They just had different size hands. (laughs) And so that's kind of important to realize about measurements. What um, Have you had a chance to to get feedback from... Uh, folks in the mission field using the metric edition? Uh, We have one Bible society, I won't name the country, that is interested in perhaps doing it. We have a lot of foreign feedback. When we put this out, we got, our material was read by people in 40 countries. That doesn't mean they liked it. It doesn't mean they read the whole article. But Mm -hmm. even countries like we get occasional Saudi Arabia and Iran, a country unknown where they're trying to protect, you know, the people from mm-hmm. their identity being exposed. So we, we have pretty good coverage. We want to get good uh, good outlets in Africa and Asia. It's, it, Microsoft divides the world into provinces, and I can't send a gift copy from America to South Africa. It has to be ordered in the African region. And so there are some complications from uh, tax laws in all the different countries, you know, The famous theologian Madonna said, we live in a material world. That was maybe one of her few correct observations. But we've certainly found as far as trying to get the Bible into all countries all all over the world, even though the Bible is very spiritual, we do live in a material world and there are material complications. How has making this uh, edition available electronically uh, made it accessible for many? Yes, and on the other hand, there'll be some that maybe don't have good enough internet access and we'll have to, we'll do it for free probably. We'll provide them PDFs of the metric translation. So we'll have to look at the local circumstances in in a big city. 
in any country in the world, there should be no problems. In a small village, there possibly could be. Is there a print edition of the, the metric edition? Not at this time. We're hoping that the printing will be done by people in other countries. So we don't have to try to ship print copies to Africa or to India or wherever. So we're hoping that through a lot of contacts we're making now, we're hoping that printers close to the action will have an interest in doing this and we'll give them uh, good opportunities to do that. Any other plans besides the, the new metric edition? Any other plans for the EHV in the future? Well, we're very interested, of course, in audio editions. We kind of think that maybe we don't have to make a commercial version of it that we sell, but things like uh, Bible Gateway and other places, a lot of congregations are doing it. So we have a committee to study the audio versions. But again, we might wonder whether it arises naturally. And as far as the print Bibles, too, all we didn't change the American English into British English. Hmm. If someone in Britain says, well, we want a British edition or an Australian edition, and we want to make the English more Australian, we would give them a license and permission to do that. And if some of the third world English, if they want to change things a little bit, especially in the notes, there'll be more American cultural Mm. references. So we're very open to having people grassroots close to the action, Bible society, say in Nigeria or Kenya or South Africa or India, we're very willing to work with them. So they'd have a a real Australian edition, not a fake Australian edition. (laughs) (laughs) So in talking about metric edition, is there going to be a Canadian metric edition that that references (laughs) distances and clicks? I sent a message yesterday to the Canadian Bible Society. And said that, here this thing is, if you're at all interested, we're very willing to cooperate with you. I haven't heard from them yet. I did hear from one African uh, Bible society that has some interest, but, you know, they haven't made any commitment or anything. They're Mm -hmm. scrutinizing us and seeing what they think about it. What does that feel like to be be reviewed by other scholars and, and societies around the world? often very helpful. A lot of our textual notes, believe it or not, in the Old Testament, there was a man in South Africa, a South African, who was making special studies on the Greek text as it relates to the Hebrew text. And he sent us all his research very early on. So we can say there was a South African influence on our studies of the Old Testament text. Hmm. How can we learn more about the Evangelical Heritage Version and how to find it? Well, the easiest thing to do is just go to your browser and type Wartburg Project, one word, lowercase, dot org. Wartburg Project dot org. There you'll find lectionaries, including the Missouri Synod lectionaries, uh, library studies, frequently asked questions, and where to order all the stuff. It actually is best if you actually type wartburgproject.org into your browser is better than searches because it will always take you to the home page. And there's always people on searches who are trying to get their ads sneaked in there and stuff, and we have to keep batting them down. So I would recommend doing wartburgproject.org. Your academic members have a good presence on a site called Academia, which is sort of where 
academics around the world. There I said we get things from many countries, Philippines, and so on. A guy from Pakistan called, not called, wrote to us to tell us he thought he could improve our translation of ancient varieties of wheat, like spelt and emmer. And he was doing this on the basis of the Hebrew text. And we looked at his stuff and I said, we said, you know, I think he knows more about spelt and emmer than we do. And his suggestion seemed correct. So we changed the notes in the text of all things on the basis of an email from Karachi, Pakistan, from a Pakistani. Wow. So it really is a grassroots uh, effort, a collaborative effort at uh, this translation. That's outstanding. Well, Dr. Brug, we thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us about Wartburg Project and the Evangelical Heritage version of the Bible, the new metric uh, edition as well. We'll provide some uh, links to that in the program notes today as well. Thank you so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Okay, well, thank us. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. We want to get the world around the world, and I think the word around the world, excuse me, and I think you do have outlets and broadcast to other countries as well. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so we hope that together we can kind of reach around the world with this because we think it'll be useful to uh, churches in Africa and Asia, especially where the access is a little more difficult. Thank Mm. you. Dr. John Brug, General Editor and Old Testament Editor for the Wartburg Project. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.